just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. It is Friday. We're wrapping up the week, headed into the weekend. I got some big plans today. I won't be able to see my grandkids on Halloween because they'll be going all over the place. But tonight, in the town they live in, they have something in this. It's a smaller town, and it's in downtown, and they do trick-or-treating with the... uh, with the businesses in town and all the kids get out there and there's some events and that sort of thing. And fortunately my wife and I are going to be able to head out there and see our grandkids in their glory, in their costumes. I'm looking forward to it. So uh, that's what we're doing tonight. I'm pretty excited about that. Don't give a fuck what's going to be in the news tonight because I'm focused on Halloween and my grandkids. Besides that, though, the last couple of shows, we had two shows yesterday, and hopefully you had a chance to listen to them both. We had one good show with Ed. It's always good to have Ed back on the show. To be perfectly honest, the easiest shows I do are with Ed. I don't even really have to prepare anything. Ed and I just do a conversation. Actually, every guest that I have on is just a conversation. There's no really prepared questions or comments or anything like that. It's just we go ahead and we just wade into the issues and see where it goes. And with Ed, it's very easy because I spent a lot of years on the radio with him. He kind of knows how I go. I know how he goes. And it just kind of mixes perfectly. So it's always fun to talk to Ed. Uh, By the way, um, for later today, there's going to be another show And this is going to be me, Ed, and Fred. Remember, listener Fred, he's been on the show alone, and he's been on a show with Ed and I. And that went pretty well. So that's going to be recorded at some point after doing this particular show. So we got all kinds of shit coming your way. Don't even worry about it. We always have some content for you. There's something else I'm thinking about doing, and I'm just not sure what to think about it. Now, also yesterday, I had a second show, and I was talking to Joel. He's another listener, and we had an interesting conversation about racism, uh, white privilege, and all that kind of stuff. It was a really good show, and, and if you haven't heard it as yet, you should. But he said to me, why don't you do your podcast in video format? I said, you know, I don't really want to do that because I've got... Uh, You know, I've got a lot of people that listen when they're in their cars, they're running or something like that. I'm from radio, so I prefer the podcast being audio only. But he said, well, you should do something with video. I said, I do the TikToks. He said, more long form. And, you know, actually, I've been thinking about it, not changing anything about what I do now. But um, with Spotify, I've been getting this this push to do a video type podcast. Now, it wouldn't be this podcast. It'd be something different. It would be something shorter. The only thing that's held me back from doing it is that uh, this podcast through Spotify or Anchor, the two places I work with, um, it would only appear in the Spotify app, which is fine. But if you look at the people who listen to this podcast, the vast majority listen to it in the Apple Podcast app and not the Spotify. Spotify is second, but it's quite a bit less than Apple. And it seems kind of pointless to do another podcast or a video podcast and not reach the majority of the people who listen to the program. So I wasn't sure what to do with that. And then he started getting on me about, well, you should do more on YouTube. And I do have uh, TikToks on YouTube. I, I never really paid much attention to it because I never saw much action with it. But here's what I'm thinking. Tell me what you think. I'm going to keep doing all the things I do, the TikToks and the podcast every night or as much, or as close to every night as I can. 
But what I'm thinking about doing is doing like a 30-minute podcast, a video podcast, put it out on that Spotify app like they asked me to do, but also put it on YouTube, maybe Instagram, maybe Facebook. I don't know if anybody would be interested in watching a video that might be 20, 30 minutes long. I don't know. But I may try it just for the sake of it. I'm not doing it to replace something else. Everything else is going to stay the same. But I may try it just to see what the fuck happens. Um, Doing these podcasts isn't especially hard for me as long as I know what I'm talking about. Uh, I study this stuff so much and I'm looking at it all day and I'm getting information about it. So to speak extemporaneously about a variety of topics isn't really a problem. I don't have many talents but I can talk. And I tell people it's not necessarily talking with quality, but I got fucking quantity nailed. I can go forever if need be. So we'll we'll maybe try and see what happens with that. I don't know. Let me know what you think about that prospect. Would it be something you even watched or listened to? I don't know, but it can't hurt to try. All right, we have a lot of uh, emails to get to, so let's get to getting The first one is coming from Joe C. You might remember Joe C. He's written before. He's been on the show. Very bright guy. Very, I had a very good time talking to him, and I no doubt we'll be talking to him again sometime soon. He says, hi, Mike. Kudos to you for lasting 75 minutes with Mark, your latest Trump fan. (laughs) Holy crap. He was all over the place. You couldn't get a straight answer out of him. Thank you for calling him out on his nonsense. I was going nuts listening to his crap. No evidence to support anything he was saying. Ah, (laughs) I'm just kind of, you know, he did the argon. I'm just trying to say it, but I didn't do a good job. He goes on to say, honestly, Mike, Brian did a much better job than this clown, and Brian was much more personable. Agreed. I had a better time talking talking to uh, uh, Brian because I knew Brian. I kind of know his personality. But this guy, I don't know if it was a strategy, but it it was effective to a certain extent, this idea of talking slow and acting like he's above it all, trying to give the image that he's really smart. But then we we, we figured out he wasn't smart at all. And it almost got a little creepy to me. It got a little dark. And I don't know exactly how to explain it. But it was one of those things. I had fun talking to Brian. I did not have fun talking to Mark because it just felt like I needed to shower afterwards. <laughs> Now, he goes on to say, no police officer died the day of the insurrection. However, Officer Brian Sicknick died the next day from injuries suffered during the insurrection. And there were other officers who committed suicide. And you were correct. Over 140 officers were injured during the insurrection. Thanks for clarifying that, Joe. And remember, the insurrectionist woman who got trampled by the other insurrectionist and died on the Capitol steps? Yeah, that's... That's one of those things that you got to kind of laugh at, but it's not appropriate to laugh. What was funny about that story is this poor woman was part of the insurrectionist. Then whatever happened and she was running away from it, she fell down and uh, and uh, she gets run over by her own people and she dies. Now, that's not funny at all. Anybody dying, regardless of what they believe, isn't funny. The thing that struck me a little off, though, is she was carrying a flag that said, don't tread on me. It's a little irony, don't you think? (laughs) I'm sorry, that's inappropriate, but I don't fucking care. Or the insurrectionist who accidentally tasered himself and died of a heart attack. Or the other one who died of a stroke. These are in addition to Ashley Babbitt, who was justifiably shot by those defending the Capitol. Now, here's what I wanted to say to him about that. She didn't even have a gun, and and she's innocent. She's a martyr. They killed her. I did talk to a Trumper one time, and I said, okay, if you think this woman was completely innocent and she didn't deserve to be shot, let me give you another scenario, and let's see what you would do with this. Say you're sitting in your home, and a woman who's screaming out that she's going to kill you and your family, breaks through the window and lands in your living room. What do you do? 
Well, if you're a big Second Amendment guy, I'm guessing you go for your gun and you shoot her and you feel justified. Somebody broke into your house claiming they were going to kill you and you shot her. You would be justified in that. Well, it's the same circumstance with Ashley Babbitt, so shut the fuck up. Joe goes on to say, in the end, you had a guy tongue-tied. He was so flabbergasted that, that he didn't know whether he was coming or going. He had zero credible credible sources for anything he was spewing. And just just like with Brian, I had no question in my mind that I was going to kick his ass, not because I'm a particular genius. It's because I had the advantage. I had the fact that uh, I had truth and facts, and he had bullshit. He never was ever pressed to back up what he said. These people just spew, just spew bullshit. And then somebody else tells them, and then they tell somebody else, and in the end they all believe it's true because they heard it from so many people. I did this in a TikTok today, and I'm going to say it here now. We can hate the Republicans, the Trump fucks, and Donald Trump himself for the way our country is currently um, the, the condition that this country is currently in. And they are certainly culpable. They are complicit to the problems we have in this country. But to a large degree, I blame the media more. And here's why. And, and, and I've complained about this. In 2015, when Donald Trump started coming on the scene, was running for president, he would go on to our media, whether it be right side or left side, but particularly the left side. And he would spew bullshit and lies, just like Brian and Mark did on my podcast. And they would press him a little bit, but they would ultimately back off. He would spew this shit, and they wouldn't press him on it. So this got out there, and some people believed it. And every time after that somebody came on those shows, they never went in for the kill. They never made them produce some evidence. And I always said, if these guys would have just hammered these people up front and played them for the fools they are, exposed their lack of credibility and integrity, we wouldn't be in this position right now if they just did their jobs as journalists, unfortunately, we don't have any fucking journalists. So when I asked these Trumplicans to come on the show, I was trying to test my strategy. Instead of letting these people go and backing up and throwing softballs at them, I said, I'm going to take these fuckers. And when they say something, I'm going to make them prove it to me. And I'm not going to let them say, oh, let's go on to something else or let's agree to disagree, which is what they both did or I didn't know anything about that. I pressed them. I pressed them hard. And what did it do? It shut them down. It shut them down. And I'll guarantee you, they'll never be on my show again. Even if I begged them, they wouldn't be on this show again. If the media did that to Donald Trump and the people around Donald Trump in 2015 and 2016, we wouldn't be here today. I promise you that. Anyhow, Next next uh, email. Mike, I just listened to your podcast with Trumper Fucker. <laughs> I must say, this podcast was just pure torture. <laughs> I do not have the patience for these kinds of so-called educated people. Epi. Now, Epi, I don't take any offense because I get it, man. I get it. My wife will say, well, let's see what they're saying on Fox. And I just can't do it. It pisses me off too much. So... I understand you listening to the podcast I did with Mark and having trouble with it. No problem. Next one comes from Eric. Hey, Mike, I just listened to Boomer V. Trump fan. No disrespect to Mark, but I noticed when pressed with either facts or ask for facts, he just agreed to disagree. I personally don't think that Hillary being an establishment politician was the problem. I think she did have scandals blown out of proportion as it was, and she was just not likable. Too many people thought there was no way a buffoon like Trump could win, so they either didn't vote or voted third party. I think if the Democrats had run almost anyone other than Hillary, Trump would have lost in a landslide. Thanks, Eric. Yeah, I get what you're saying, Eric. And I've said this uh, prior to the 2016 election. Um, I do think what happened in that, I agree with you, uh, 
Hillary had some scandals. She wasn't likable. She wasn't a good candidate for this situation. But I do think people were getting frustrated and upset with the way politics was running and and, and how they weren't um, listened to and they, they, they weren't being helped by the government. I think this was part and parcel to a protest to our government. And they wanted somebody other than the standard politicians winning. Or, yeah, they, they wanted something other than the standard politicians in office just to see what the fuck's going to happen, you know? They were tired of what has been happening, so they were willing to vote for somebody for a change. And that's what they were looking for with Donald Trump, a change, something contrary to what we've seen in politics all these years. So you had the one thing people didn't like in Hillary, and you had Donald Trump that represented the change. Now, of course, none of us knew all the things we would ultimately know about Donald Trump. We knew he was a goof. We knew he wasn't exactly honest, but we had no idea how deep it would be. Now, I said this in 2016 after Donald Trump won. If people really wanted something different, something away from the the establishment politics. Had they run Bernie instead of Hillary Clinton, I believe Bernie would have kicked Donald Trump's ass and we would be in a much different situation. I really believe that. But the problem with Hillary Clinton over and above her other problems, she kind of controlled the Democrats at that point, and she felt like she was owed this shot, owed this time. And everybody in the Democratic bowed to her and said, yes, of course, Miss Hillary, you can run, you can be our candidate. And they fucked up and they found out. They made the wrong choice. I think the fact that uh, Donald Trump became president of the United States, there are three groups that are at fault for that. First of all, the Republicans. How could you make him your candidate? That's one. Then I think the media, as I pointed out earlier, they made Donald Trump legitimate when he wasn't even close to being legitimate. And the third one is the Democratic Party. They put up Hillary Clinton against against their better interests, and they lost, and they fucked up. That's That's just me. You could disagree with me. But, you know, of course, you'd be wrong. <laughs> but anyway, that's that's the way I look at it. All right. The the next email comes from Deb. Mike, I'm sitting here listening to the talking heads give opinions and commentary on the Fetterman Oz debate. It's beginning to piss me off. Good. That's what we all need to be is more pissed off. She says, I'm aware of Fetterman's cognitive issues following his stroke. But how dare these people question his ability to govern? He's thinking. He's speaking at events. He only seems to have the issues with the debate setting. Well, you have to understand the Republicans will grab latch onto anything and and overinflate it and exaggerate because that's all they got. My own husband had a stroke, actually had two, and I watched him be down, relearn abilities, etc. Now, 11 years later, he has his own business. He functions totally and completely. It did not take the full 11 years to get back to 100%, but each day he got better. I think the public needs to vote for Fetterman. He will only get stronger. His debate ability is not important in the big scheme of things or in governing Pennsylvania. Thanks for letting me vent. Deb. Well, I think you're right. And this kind of goes to something I've said before. People will say, I don't like this Democratic candidate because of this, or I'm upset about inflation, or I'm upset about gas prices, or whatever it is. Okay, I get that. You don't like those things. But is a better choice to go with, go away from the Democrats and vote for uh, white supremacists? people that are trying to overthrow our country, people that are taking the constitutional rights away from women, is that a better choice because you paid too much for gas? Come on, use your fucking head. All right, the next one, Don. Mike, that episode was frustrating. (laughs) It demonstrated the difficulty communicating with the Trumplifox. He admitted he doesn't read, listen to any mainstream news, so he has no access to any facts or other viewpoints. By the way, if he wasn't stoned, I'll eat my shorts. 
That could be. R.I.P. Officer Sicknick. Cheers, Don. Thank you, Don. Yeah, it was frustrating. You know what the ironic thing about this is, though? Talking to Brian and now talking to Mark, both were very frustrating and hard to listen to. But you know what? The the show I did with Brian, and I suspect the show that I did with uh, Mark will ultimately be there too. The show I did with Brian is far and away the most listened to podcast I've done, and I've done almost 500 podcasts. <laughs> so as painful as it was for you, you freaks still listen to it. <laughs> But 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 I get what you're saying, and and I promise I'm not going to talk to any more Trumplefucks. It got it got boring after a while to me, just pounding on this guy, and I'm not. There's no point in doing it again. There's so many other other people to talk to, like like Joel, who we had on yesterday, or Ed, or or um, Fred, or uh, Leanna. Leanna wants to come back on, and uh, we're going to set that up too. Great lady. Joshua, all these guys, Jacob, whatever. We've talked to a lot of people, and there's a lot more interesting people to listen to. All right, next one comes from Michael. Dude, I'm a day late, but the Trumplefux you had on had me yelling at my radio while listening to him lie, avoid, and not give one straight answer to you. I hope your blood pressure didn't cause a stroke by the end. Michael, no, I'm cool. You know, you know it's funny when people... When I go after people like this, people say, oh, watch your blood pressure. My blood pressure is fine. I'm really not mad. It's just it's just kind of a switch you turn on. When somebody's saying something stupid, it annoys me, and I feel like cornering them. And that's hopefully what I did there. All right, the next one. Hi, Mike. Kevin Tatum again. I don't know why he gave the last name, but he spells it different, so don't even try to look him up. Here are some quick bullet reference CRT. Mark the Idiot played the CRT card the other day, so I wanted to share basic CRT facts. We know you love facts. For your back pocket, if it comes up again, there are initially six tenants to make up the gist of CRT. Over the last 30 years, five more tenants were added, a total of 11. Now, what Kevin did here is he gave me a list of each of the tenants, which is very informative. But Kevin... If I was to read everything you sent me, in fact, I think you sent me two emails. If I was to read everything you sent me, I'd need to give you a fucking spinoff. Here's what I'm going to suggest to you, Kevin. Clearly, you have a lot of information, valuable information. Instead of you writing me and having me read it, why don't you set it up to be on the show and we can talk about critical race theory? I think a lot of people don't understand what critical race theory is, and they should probably learn. Mm. All right. So email me. Let me know. Um, let's see. what else, What's the next thing I've got? Uh, this one is coming from Jody. So I'll get straight to the point, Mike. The Trumper podcast went about how I expected it to. He was pissing me off until I realized he's just a clown without a circus who is easily manipulated uh, by BS, lies, and propaganda. Literally, the only true thing he may have said was that he was a father of eight. Here are some of the things that really stuck out for me. First, I was astounded that he started with Zoom education during the pandemic and how kids were being taught CRT behind closed doors. I mean... I mean, one, what the fuck would he know what was being taught since his kids are all grown and out of school? As we know, schools aren't teaching CRT, no matter how many times Fox News tells us their brain-dead rabble they are. Second, he goes on to argue that the insurrection wasn't an assault on the Capitol and that no officers were killed. On top of that, he tried to praise the traitor Ashley Babbitt. He did say he was visually impaired, but JHC, the, pro, the proof of the insurrection and the officers' deaths are literally everywhere, and almost all articles can be accessed audibly. Third, he segues into Obama's hair as proof that Biden is being controlled. I literally laughed out loud so hard in my car at the absolute banality, the lack of 
cogent argument and the higher level critical thinking skills. I mean, I'm absolutely gobsmacked that people actually believe this shit they spout. Fourth, his faux outrage and equivalency about Hunter's laptop while ignoring and excusing IQ45's stealing classified documents. I don't know why the troglodyte Trumplefucks continue to ignore the fact that we don't care about the damn laptop. If he's guilty, charge him. But let's move on and indict IQ45 for sedition and conspiracy. Fifth, he wanted to discuss Biden's faculties. Yeah, it's actual faculties. But I digress. The sheer audacity of those people to imply that Biden has dementia when their orange lord and savior not only can't string two words together, but couldn't find a parked car in front of him after departing Air Force One and would wander off stage when he was being spoken to. How quickly they forget. They don't forget. They just fucking ignore it. Finally, his insistence that IQ 45 isn't a fan of the Saudis when he definitely was kissing their asses and trying to sell them arms, as evidenced by when his administration issued an emergency declaration to push through an $8 billion arms deal to Saudi Arabia. Congress stopped that. Yeah, exactly. I don't understand how they, the Trumplefucks, can be so deliberately obtuse and blind. I mean, the truth is right there in their faces on TV and merely a click away on Google. Sorry for the long email. I hope it wasn't too rambling. Thank you, as always, for everything you do, Jody C. Thank you, Jody. It was it was a long email, but uh, I think you had a lot of good things to say. And uh, I agree with you, 100%. Guy was a fucking dope. And, and as I've said before, the whole point of doing this wasn't for me to line these guys up and knock them down. I knew that was going to happen. It was to really illustrate who our foes are here. I think the Democrats and the general public give Trump fans way too much credit. They're a joke. And as I've said, if the media treated them as such, initially we wouldn't have to be dealing with these fuckers. The fact that they are incompetent, they're uh, they have a low intellectual level, they're not very smart, and they're just spewing stuff. The fact that they can get away with it just amazes me. I said this in a TikTok. I said, you know, if you met people like this and they were in your family or your group of friends, you would disregard them. You'd push them away because they're a joke. If you worked with them or employed them, you would either fire them or or stay the fuck away from them and keep them in places where they couldn't do much damage. But somehow, somehow, these fucks can come into this country and get enough credibility from our media and from the general public that they have some power. In any other circumstance in our lives, they would have no power, zero power, but yet they do. And that's what we've got to change. And hopefully by doing the podcast with these Trumplefucks, we get a better sense of who our enemy is and that they aren't formidable. They are stupid. And it's a joke that we're even in a fight with them. We should step on them and crush them like bugs because that's all they are. All right, we've got one more email and this one comes from Elvin. You know what I like about this? As much as you may not have liked that podcast, it really inspired a lot of people to write, to put their thoughts down on paper. And that's one of the things I really want to do with the show. I want as much input from the people in the audience as I can get because they can play a huge part in the show as represented by having listeners on as guests like Joel just yesterday. All right, this comes from Elvin. He says, hey, Mike, I heard you read my email on your podcast, and I wanted to make a clarification, though you nailed me on exaggerating and being sarcastic. I wasn't trying to nail you, Elvin. It's Elvin, yeah. There was one area where I wasn't, and that was the Chinese hospitals with slave labor. If you think back to George H.W. Bush debates over NAFTA, one provision would have allowed foreign-owned companies to operate hospitals in America. 
The most disturbing aspect was that it could be fully staffed by foreign nationals and under no obligation to operate under American federal laws, such as the minimum wage. I can't remember if they would have had to abide by OSHA rules. Fortunately, that didn't make it into the final NAFTA draft, but just imagine if it had. By the way, Bill Clinton signed NAFTA into law was my first clue that he was never a Democrat. I didn't enjoy your last podcast with the Trump humper. To be honest, I would have listened to the whole thing, except you handled him very well, so I don't think you need my ears to do the job that you were meant to do. It's funny, when he asked you if you were a Democrat and you said absolutely not, the irony is um, I tend to lean left, but I would never associate with them because they sound like pussies. (laughs) Yeah. In one of your podcasts, someone called you the Democratic Rush Limbaugh, except for the fact that Rush Limbaugh was a wise-cracking idiot. I think they're right. The genius of keeping Limbaugh on the air was that he pointed fingers, called people names, and he laid blame. Whether he was lying or not isn't the point. People want to know who is screwing up their lives, and you're good at pointing it out, and you're not lying. Your podcasts are filled with broccoli and carrots. Don't know what that means. Exactly the kind of roughage that my grandma told me to always get. Keep on keeping on, and I promise we'll set something up soon. Elvin, he's going to come on the podcast. I don't know if I agree with this whole Rush Limbaugh comparison, except for one thing. And there's two reasons why I do this one thing. Um, is because it's my personality and because it's exactly the opposite of what dem, uh, Republicans expect. Now, when and, and, and that was that was why those two shows with the Trumplefux went the way they went. See, Trumplefux are used to being the aggressor, being the bully, getting in your face and rolling over the top of you. Republicans and Trumplefux have been doing that to Democrats for decades. So that was their strategy. They're bullies. The Democrats allowed them to be bullies and allowed them to roll over the top of them. But when they come across somebody like me who not only doesn't allow them to push me back, is in fact an aggressor and gets in their face before they can even think of doing it. Because they are bullies, they are innately cowards. So when somebody pushes them back or goes after them first, they usually fold up and die. And that's exactly what both of these guys did. They knew they couldn't keep up. Again, not because I'm brilliant, but because I was actually going after them, which was confusing to them. They didn't know what to do with it. It was like I was stealing their strategy. But it's unusual for somebody who's considered a Democrat to do that to them. But if you take a listen to those podcasts, where you whether you like it or not, you you gotta you gotta admit that the strategy worked. And had the media or had people in the mainstream media done the same thing, we would have had a vastly different outcome, which would have been nice. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll get to some news, and we'll be right back. All right, this news story is going to interest a lot of folks. The House Ways and Means Committee is set to receive former President Donald Trump's IRS tax returns in one week after a federal appeals court on Thursday declined Trump's request to hold up the release. Now, that said, of course, the Supreme Court could still intervene if Trump appeals, and I would say there's probably a good chance he will. But as we found out previously, the Supreme Court is the last stop, and there's really no way to get them to stop it. Clarence Thomas won't be the deciding judge initially anyway, but there's no way they can really do that, and to do it would cause an upheaval. Now, we've been trying to get Donald Trump's IRS records for six years, literally from the time he came into office to now. And we've been close to getting them. And in fact, I think the DOJ may already have them uh, based. We we know that uh, New York has them. The New York uh, Manhattan District already has a lot of his tax documents. Uh, But this will go to the House Ways and Means Committee, and it's going to tell us a lot. The question is, why is Donald Trump so uh, concerned 
about people getting his tax information. Now, a lot of people might think it's because of all the criminal activity that he was involved in. Well, most of that criminal activity has been exposed, so it can't be that. What? Well, what could it be? Well, I'll tell you what it could be. It'll be proof that he's not a fucking billionaire. It'll be proof that he's done nothing but lose money, and he's just been grifting and, and, and juggling and making it look like he's rich. And for a narcissist, that really is the worst thing possible. You can claim he's a criminal. You can do all those things. But if you prove that he's not as great as he says he is or he believes he is, well, that's absolutely crushing to Donald Trump. Now, he could appeal this to the Supreme Court. There is no point in standing for the Supreme Court to even take it up. But that said, knowing Donald Trump, he'll want to delay or he'll want to hope against hope that they will side with him, which they won't. But he will do that, and that will be a little bit more time. But keep in mind, it's been six years since they've been trying to get his taxes, and he's bullshitted around. He's not even president anymore. If he has nothing to hide, why would he not just lay it out and say, well, here you go. See, I told you I'm a billionaire. I told you I'm a genius. But he refuses to do that. Not because of the criminality, because we know about the criminality. He's got a fucking court case going in New York. His his own company has been indicted. So what else could he be hiding with that regard? It's all about his ego. It's all about people finding out he's not as rich as he says he is. See, the thing is, once people find out he's not that rich, then he's pretty much reduced to nothing because his whole life is about his success, his fame, his wealth. If we find out that the wealth is joke, Well, then he's going to shit himself. Now, a three-judge panel on D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals decided they won't put the handover of the former president's tax returns on hold after the full appeals court rejected Trump's request that they review an earlier decision allowing for the release of the returns. The case is one of several long-running lawsuits where the Democrat-led House is trying to access years of financial records related to Trump especially his tax returns. Now, attorneys for Trump handling the case didn't immediately respond to requests for comment. The committee chairman, Massachusetts Democratic Democratic Rep. Uh, Richard Neal, said in a statement that Trump tried to delay the inevitable, but once again, the court has reaffirmed the strength of our position. We've waited long enough. We must begin our oversight of the IRS's mandatory presidential audit program as soon as possible. Now, again, what do they want to find out? Why is the House of Representatives or the Ways and Means Committee worried about this? Well, it's not about whether Donald Trump is as wealthy as he thinks he is or says he is. That's a Donald Trump issue. That's that's not a big deal to the Ways and Means Committee. It's not even of interest to the Ways and Means Committee of what crimes he committed against the state of New York or federal crimes. That's not even what they're looking for. What they're looking for is something that we know they're going to find. If Donald Trump has money, where is he getting his money from? And why that's important is because if he's getting money from Russia, Saudi Arabia, whoever, if he's getting it from foreign countries— That puts him in a position to be compromised, especially if it's Russia or Saudi Arabia. Now, I've often said that Russia is feeding money to Donald Trump. Clearly, they're trying to hide that because I think the way they did it, Donald Trump, the only place he was getting loans from was Deutsche Bank. No other bank in the world would loan this guy money because he typically doesn't pay it back. But somehow, Deutsche Bank always loaned him money. Now, if you remember, just recently, uh, Deutsche Bank and some of its officers were raided by German police or German FBI or the equivalent of the FBI. And Deutsche Bank has had a lot of problems, accusations of laundering money for who else? Russia. They're a dirty fucking organization. And 
Presumably, Russia would feed money to Deutsche Bank, who would then feed money to Donald Trump, and that's how he got his money. Now, what they're hoping to find in these tax uh, returns is find out where he got his money. If he, in fact, was wealthy at, at some point, he didn't get it by his business acumen. He wasn't a very fucking smart man. You remember what we did see, those little bits of uh, tax information we did see, we we saw that over like a five or six year period, he'd lost $1 billion. The most amount of money any individual has ever lost in the history of this country. So if over that period he'd lost a billion dollars, do you really think out of his business talents he's going to generate billions of dollars? I don't think so. Nothing he's ever done has proven that he's a good businessman at all. I mean, this is a guy who failed running casinos, for Christ's sake. And casinos basically fucking print money. The house has the advantage against the people gambling, but somehow he figured out a way to fuck it up and lose money on that situation. So the House Ways and Means Committee is anxious to get these tax returns, mainly to find out where he got the money from. And when we find out where he got the money from, that will tell us a lot about whether he is compromised by those countries. Then you throw in the fact that he stole these documents and may have exposed these documents to these same adversarial or enemy countries. You see how it all comes together. It shows a quid pro quo. If Russia was giving Donald Trump money, and then Donald Trump in turn gave them top secret documents, well, we have a pretty fucking big crime there, don't we? And I think that's where we're headed with this whole situation. Donald Trump's doing everything he can to hide everything he's done, but it won't work. It won't work. People have always complained, well, it's taking too long. It's never going to happen. Well, patience is a virtue. And when you're talking about uh, law, everything takes fucking forever. But trust me when I tell you this, the wait will be well worth it because Donald Trump can only delay so long. He's only trying to delay the inevitable, as they said. And it's going to come down on him. And this thing with the top secret documents and now this possibility of money coming from outside countries really puts Donald Trump in a bad fucking position. So just watch. Be patient. I know it's hard. Just fucking be patient. (laughs) You're like my kids sometime, you know? Are we going to get there? Are we there? Can I get a sucker? (laughs) Fucking relax. You'll get your sucker and we'll get there. It'll be okay. Let's talk about uh, a dipshit. Now, I don't... I've never liked this guy. I've never thought much of him, although a lot of people saw him as a hero. He's losing that now, and he's got some problems of his own. But Elon Musk took over Twitter. They finally completed the deal, and he took over Twitter. Now, Elon Musk fired several top executives at Twitter on Thursday, yesterday, as the billionaire closed his takeover of the social media giant, according to multiple reports. Now, Musk outed Twitter CEO Parag Agrawal, Chief Financial Officer Ned Siegel, and the head of the Legal Policy Trust and Safety, Vijaya Gadi. G-A-D-D-E. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. Doesn't matter. He got fucking fired because he's out of the out of the situation. Now the Washington Post reported the newspaper added that trio were escorted from the Twitter office. The New York Times added that the company general counsel, Sean Edgett, was also fired. Musk completed the takeover Thursday, capping the $44 billion deal and ending the saga a day before a Friday deadline to do so. He had previously attempted to put our back out of the deal after the company's share prices plummeted, entering a fierce legal battle as Twitter sued to force him to complete the sale. But he recommitted to purchase this month. He said he wanted it. Mr. Tough Guy wanted it. And Twitter did not want to sell to him. He pressed the issue. He pressed the issue. And then all of a sudden he said, yeah, maybe not. Well, at that point, Twitter said, fuck it. You made a deal. You're going to fucking finish this deal. And, of course, he finally did. 
Now, there were signs Musk had resigned himself to the purchase and was finalizing the deal. He visited Twitter's headquarters in San Francisco on Wednesday, and this fucking idiot, he came into the building holding a bathroom sink. <laughs> he, it's, it's just all about perception. He thinks he's funny. And then he changed his bio for his personal Twitter account to Chief Twit. Now, that's accurate. Musk has promised to transform Twitter, and he's forecast large layoffs that may approach 75% of the law, of the employees. He wrote to advertisers this week attempting to soothe any concerns, saying he didn't want the platform to become a free-for-all hellscape. Well, if you want Donald Trump to come back, and it sounds like you do, I beg to differ. The reason I acquired Twitter is because it is important to the future of civilization to have common digital town square where a wide range of beliefs can be debated in a healthy manner without resorting to violence, he said. There is currently great danger that social media will splinter into far right wing and far left wing echo chambers that generate more hate and divide on our society. Okay. So he wants to make sure it doesn't go far right or far left. But (laughs) he is willing to let Donald Trump back. Okay. I beg your forgiveness, uh, Elon, but it's hard to believe what you're saying. What you're saying and what you're doing are contradictory. And I don't have much hope for Twitter. Elon Musk Oh, he's also thinking about bringing Kanye West, and that would bring love and happiness back, Mr. Anti-Semite. You know what's going to happen if he lets Trump back? And I am not opposed to letting Trump back because Trump screws himself every time he tweets. But if you let them back, and then you're going to get the left fighting and the right fighting, you're going to get exactly what you said you don't want. You got to think about this, Elon, but I know you think you're the smartest guy in the room, so you're just going to do what you want to do. And if it fails, well, $44 billion is a lot of money, but it's not that much to you. I get that. But I honestly hope you fucking lose big on this one. All right. Next up, Capital, the Capitol Rioter who grabbed former Metropolitan Police Department officer Mike Fanone. He's the guy you've seen on TV a lot. And dragged him into the mob where he was grievously injured, was sentenced Thursday in federal court to 90 months or seven and a half years behind bars. That's like the second longest sentence that's been given out so far to... to the insurrectionists. Now, Michael Fanone, if you remember, he was beating, beaten unmercifully. He was tased a number of times. While he was in the crowd being tased, he had a heart attack. He could very well have died in that circumstance. And these fucks, these insurrectionists, didn't give a shit. They were there to kill people. How do I know that? They said they were. They said they were there to kill people. So don't try to tell me like like Mark tried to tell me. Well, it was just a bunch of guys that got out of hand. Bullshit. We've heard the plans. We've heard about the meetings. We've heard about the tours. We've heard what they said while they were attacking the Capitol. This was planned. This was a conspiracy. And that's why people have already been convicted of seditious conspiracy. Conspiracy. Prosecutors had sought an eight-year sentence for Tennessee resident Albuquerque Cosper Head. However, his punishment is still one of the harshest to be handed down to any rioter so far. Fanon left law enforcement the year after the January 6, 2021 attack and has become one of the most visible figures advocating justice. And as I say, we see him on TV quite a lot. Now, they ask Fanon for his reaction to the sentence. He said, like a real American, I accept the sentence handed down by the court. The longest sentence handed down to any riders has been 10 years given to a retired New York police officer who assaulted another law enforcement official. He is the poster boy for fuck around and find out. Now, Head agreed to a deal where he pleaded guilty to one felony count of assaulting a police officer. 
Prosecutors say he wrapped his arm around Fanon's neck as officers tried to push rioters back through an archway leading into the Capitol and yelled, I got one, while pulling Fanon deeper into the mob. Members of the crowd beat Fanon and pinned him down, seizing his police radio and his badge. One person threatened to kill him with his own service weapon. Yeah, these guys are just guys that got out of hand. Fanon was tased repeatedly at the base of his skull by rioter Daniel Rodriguez, who was sentenced in September to slightly less than had 86 months. How you like us now? The mob backed off of Fanon, yelled, I got kids. He blacked out and regained consciousness to find his partners and others trying to ensure he was all right. Fanon ended up suffering a heart attack and a traumatic brain injury. The public spotlight that found him in the wake of the riot eventually made keeping his job untenable. He explained in interviews to promote a memoir he released earlier this month, I would trade all this attention to return to policing. But he wasn't afforded that option after being put through what he was put through. You know, when I talk to somebody like Mark or Brian, and they have the audacity to say that January 6th was no big deal. I got to tell you, I've said this before. When it was going on, I was sitting in my living room, pretty much where I'm sitting right now. And my wife was sitting back on the couch and she was incredibly upset. She knew the seriousness of what was going on here. It, it was reminiscent, you know, when we had the uh, riots here in Minnesota and, uh, We've seen riots before. They've occurred before. But the moment that they burned down the third precinct in South Minneapolis, that's when everything changed. I couldn't understand why they were allowed to do this. And now, in retrospect, we find out it wasn't black people. It wasn't Black Lives Matter. It was some of the Trumplefucks that were there to start some shit, to get things going. It was white guys that burned the third precinct down. We knew this was a change in the whole atmosphere of the city at that point. And the same thing, if not even at a bigger size, happened to this country. The moment we saw people, citizens of our country, domestic terrorists, attack our own capital. This is something we've never seen. We never thought could happen, but yet we're watching it on TV. My wife understood the importance of it. I understood the importance of it, but I couldn't take my eyes off of it. I couldn't believe that it was fucking happening. And when somebody tries to tell me nothing happened here, was just a bunch of guys getting out of hand, it pisses me off. You probably noticed that when I was talking to Mark, the audacity of suggesting something like that. You are either stupid or you are a liar if you say that, or a combination of both. And Mark proved to be both. All right, next up, Donald Trump juiced his ride-or-die devotion to election fraud lies this week in a podcast chat with a far-right conspiracy theorist, Dinesh D'Souza. Trump said people voted 28 times in the 2020 election to cheat him out of a second term in office. Now, Donald Trump can say a lot of things, but you'll you'll notice one thing. He never says it under oath. His lawyers will say a lot of things, but they never say it under oath. See, they're trying to affect the narrative. They're not even worried about the law angle of it because they know they're wrong and they know if they lie, they're going to fucking jail. But they keep spewing this stuff. Now, D'Souza directed that shit piece of shit movie 2000 Mules, the film that purports to prove voter fraud claims but has been dismissed as endlessly debunkable by HuffPost and other outlets. The so-called documentary insists that Joe Biden supporting ballot mules inserted armloads of votes into several drop boxes. Now, Joel made an interesting point in the last podcast. He said if there was election fraud, Joe Biden won by 7 million votes. How do you cheat to that extent? It's not feasible. It's not possible. Yet they want to believe 
that uh, that's what happened. And as Joel pointed out, he was talking to somebody, arguing with somebody about whether there was election fraud. And when he told them there were seven million votes that Biden won by, the guy had no idea. That was the striking thing about talking to Mark and to Brian and any other Trump fuck for that matter. You will give them facts that everybody is, knows to be true, and they will act like they have never heard that. Goes back to what I've said about the media. We are divided in this country because people are getting different stories from different sources. And each of those sources isn't giving the whole story. In fact, if you're looking at Fox, OAN, Newsmax, or any of these other fucking sources, they aren't giving the real story at all. They're not just missing a few facts. They're creating a new narrative, a new story, and feeding it to these people. And these people think it's fucking real. That's the real problem here. I can argue with somebody and I can say, well, they can say to me, um, I've had this argument many times. Oh, the Mueller report, Russia, Russia, Russia. That was just a big hoax. Nothing was there. Well, wait a minute. We know in the Mueller report there were 10 instances of obstruction of justice committed by Donald Trump. Those are laws that he broke. There's no question about that. And then they'll say to me, well, why wasn't he arrested then? And they know why he wasn't arrested, because he was president and they can't indict a president, allegedly. So in spite of the fact that there were proven crimes in the Mueller report, because Donald Trump didn't get arrested or indicted because he couldn't because he was president, they figure that out to be proof that it was a hoax. That's absolutely fucking ridiculous absolutely fucking ridiculous. But when I sit and talk to people like Brian and Mark and whoever, I am just amazed and appalled that when I say something that's common knowledge, they act like they've never heard it before. And the sad thing is they have never heard it before. This is why they have this skewed idea of what's going on. It's fucking troubling. If we have this many people in this country that are so ill-informed, we've got big problems. And the only people to blame for that is our mainstream media. I'm talking the right and the left. The left is just as guilty as the right, just in a different way. All right, we're about ready to wrap this uh, podcast up. I want to bring up a little good news, or at least confusing news. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen yesterday said she does not see signs of recession after the Commerce Department released data showing the economy rebound in the third quarter of the year. Now, she was on CNN's Aaron Burnett out front in Ohio. Yellen said that what we're seeing right now is solid growth in this quarter in the economy and low unemployment across the workforce. It's very natural growth that would slow, and it has over the first three quarters of this year, but it continues to be okay, she said. We have a very strong labor market. I don't see signs of a recession in this economy. She said on Thursday, data from the Commerce Department showed U.S. gross domestic product GDP grew at an annualized rate of 2.6% between July and September, a healthy sign after six months of a shrinking economy. Still, much of the growth in third quarter GDP was driven by a surge in exports, and some leading economists are not expecting growth to continue later this year or early next year. Now, that said, we have all these experts says recession's coming. Without question, I predict a recession. They keep saying it. And that wouldn't bother me so much if it weren't for the fact that a lot of these Republicans and maybe even some Democrats are saying, yeah, I can't vote for Joe Biden because of the economy. Well, the economy's good. The economy's better than it was under Donald Trump, under the Republicans generally. But still, they're using that as an excuse to vote for somebody else. And as I've said many times, even if the economy was bad, it's not on Joe Biden. There are many other factors that make the economy or affect the economy. But where it troubles me more than anything, when I sit and talk to anybody and they say, yeah, I can't vote for Joe Biden because of the economy. Well, first of all, the economy is not bad. 
But even if it were bad, are you really trying to tell me that the economy's bad, gas is too high? In fact, gas has gone down for the last 10 days, each of the last 10 days. But even if you're mad about gas prices and inflation and all this stuff, really the option is to go with the racists, the insurrectionists, the people stealing your constitutional rights, You're paying too much in gas, so your choice now is to go with the fucking criminals. I I can't believe that. I don't believe that. Nobody's that stupid. But that's what we're led to believe, and this is what we're led to believe by our media. I'm really, I really got a hard on for media as of late because they play us. They play us all the time. Right after the 2020 election, they said, well, it's a foregone conclusion that uh, the Republicans are going to win the midterms because that's what's done historically. And as I've said many times, that's fine. That's well and good. But if what's going on now is unprecedented historically, then you really can't make that comparison. So for a time, they went and said, listen, man. Looks like the Democrats are catching up. They could win the House. They could win the Senate. Okay, that made more sense because not only haven't the Republicans done anything to gain more votes, they've done everything they could from overturning Roe v. Wade to saying they're going to get rid of Social Security. They've done everything to try to lose votes. So I don't understand that. What's happening right now, first of all, polls don't mean shit. Polls are always wrong. Don't even listen to them. It depends on who they're polling, where they're from. And what their sources are. If you've got a Republican paper taking polls, the vast majority of the people answering those polls are going to be Republican. So how can you count that as legit? Secondly, what the media is doing right now is they're hyping up a heavyweight championship fight. Oh, it could be good. It could be bad. This guy could win. That guy could win. And it's all bullshit. It's all a scam. I'm going to tell you one last story of an experience I had when I was in junior high school to kind of illustrate how this works. Okay, we're in junior high school. We're in ninth grade. The next year, we're going to go up to our high school, which was Roosevelt High School. And we had this kid. He was a dipshit. He he lived in our neighborhood, and he went to our school. But in the middle of ninth grade, his folks moved, and they moved to a different part of town where he went to another junior high that would also be going to Roosevelt the next year. Now, some of us may know known a few of these, but not really that well. We were separate schools in separate parts of South Minneapolis. So this guy, his name was Richard, he left our school and he went over to that school. And he started telling people in that school, you know, those guys think you're pussies over there. They think they could kick your ass. And then he would come back and hang out with his friends at our our junior high and say, oh yeah, they think they're going to kick your ass. Well, he whipped this thing up into a full-out planned gang fight. Literally a gang fight. (laughs) So anyway, the day, and and I want to tell you the story because it freaked me out. Um, the, the, the day we were supposed to have this fight, it was all planned. Everybody was going to show up, everybody from each school, and we were going to fight. Why? Because this dumb fuck created some kind of drama that didn't even exist. We didn't even know these kids. But he created this drama. And I remember, you know, people were in metals class and woods class creating weapons and all that kind of stuff. I think I made some stupid little spear because I was ninth grade and I thought I was a tough guy. So we're all getting out of the school, okay? And uh, we're going to get a bus and we're going to go over there. We're going to do something. And they're going to come over and we're going to meet at this one park area and it was going to go down. I was one of the last guys walking out of the school because I was finishing up this stupid fucking spear, heat tempering the, the tip. I didn't know what I was going to do. I wasn't going to do anything with it. But, you know, you had to be cool. And I was ninth grade. So as I'm coming out of the school, this guy I know that goes to my school who is in my grade. And keep in mind, that was ninth grade. <laughs> this fucker pulls up in a car in front of the school. 
He's in ninth grade. He shouldn't be driving, but kids stole cars all the time. I can still remember it was like a 62 Chevy, and it was beat to shit. So he gets out of the car. He goes, you going to the fight? I go, yeah. He goes, I'll give you a ride. I'm thinking, that's probably not a good idea. But he says, but before you get in, I got to show you something. I said, okay, cool. He takes me around to the trunk, pops the trunk open, and there's two sawed-off shotguns. At that moment, I said, yeah, I'm probably not going. I'm not going to (laughs) go. If my side's got guns, this isn't going to play out very well. So I said, you know what? I got to stop at home first. I'll meet you there. Of course, I didn't go. And fortunately, it was so well publicized that by the time any kids, and not that many kids, ended up showing up for either side, the cops were there in force. And nothing ever happened. There was never any fight. But here's the stupid fucked up part of it. These guys went all ready to fight because this dumb fuck that nobody had any respect for started this thing, this back and forth. They all went there to fight. But guess what? Within six months, we're all going to school together at Roosevelt High School. We're friends with these people. We're dating the girls from our respective schools. It's just all bullshit. And if one guy with a loud mouth says the wrong thing, people get all excited. And that's what our media is doing in this country right now leading up to midterms. Whatever you hear from the media, whether it's good or bad, take it with a grain of salt because mostly it's bullshit. All right, we are going to wrap up the Rational Boomer podcast I want to thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen. I hope you have a great day, and we will talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.